Look at the person you're sitting beside and say, come on, man. Come on, man. Yes, that's the title of today's message. Come on, man. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to be sharing with you about the authority of God, the authority of God. And uh, right before we read this, I want to share a little something with you. Several years back, I uh, got a job as an armored truck driver, you know, the cash transportation trucks that you, you'll see parked out in front of Walmart. They're going inside Walmart, and they're getting all the cash that has been uh, brought and, and paid for to, to get goods. And, and you'll see these companies, they'll come and they'll pick up cash. And have you ever wondered where all this cash goes? Now, you, you'd assume, you know, they, they might take it to, you know, a bank, you know, a Red River or a Capital One or, you know, any one of these banks. You, you'd assume they take it to the bank. They don't. Uh, and the reason I know that is because I used to be one of the drivers. And uh, it was a very interesting job. It was intriguing. Uh, in fact, whenever I took the job, I, I, I took it because I, I was like, this seems fun. It just seems interesting to me. You know, I've always been curious, you know, how all of that works there. Um, but it turns out, as long as you don't have a criminal background, and uh, you can pass a lot of background checks and uh, psych evaluations and and go through all kinds of training and give them uh, access to all of your financial history and, and uh, tax return information. And, and uh, they, they check your driving record. They do all these different types of checks. If you give them all that, you go in and get your fingerprints done. They take a picture of you. You go through the interview process with the uh, company that the, the trucks run through. And uh, you, you go through all of their training. And then you got to go through the state to get licensed as an armed security officer, and you go through all of these requirements, then it turns out you get to see a lot of money. And uh, I didn't know how all of this worked getting into it, and so I was kind of learning as we went. And, and my supervisor, as he was training me, we're in the truck. I'm driving one of these armored trucks, and, and uh, we had gone and picked up all of the cash for the day. And and he's telling me where to go. And, and so we pull up to this building. It doesn't have any markers on the outside telling you what it is. It's just this big, large building, and it's got two fences with razor wire at the top. And you got to go through several gates to get there. And then you get up to the building, and you got to punch in certain codes. And you got guards coming and checking your truck and checking your person and all this kind of stuff. And then they roll up these big metal doors, and you pull a truck inside of this very secure facility. And the first time I drove in, y'all, I was shocked. Because you drive in, and right there on each side of, of the area where you drive in, there are pallets upon pallets of cold, hard cash wrapped in Mylar bags, just sitting around. And I remember pulling up and my hopper, the guy that you see that, that goes in and out of the buildings to collect the cash, he's like, okay, you gotta, you got to turn off the truck, take the keys out, and you've got to exit the vehicle while I take this cash in to the person that checks everything and scans it all. And it's like, okay, okay. And so I get out of the truck, and I've got the keys, and I'm just kind of standing there looking around, and there is so much money. I'm talking probably hundreds of millions of dollars just lying around in pallets all around me. And I look up, and on the ceiling, there are more security cameras hanging from the ceiling than there are lights in this room right here. And I, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, what did I get myself into? What even? I didn't even know these kind of places existed. And I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm just standing around the truck with my hands in my pockets, and everybody that's walking around is carrying guns. And, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, what, what am I doing? What do I do? I don't know what I do with my hands. I don't, I don't want to look like I'm stealing, so I don't want to put my hands in my pockets, but I don't want my hands to be out because I don't want them to think I'm reaching for anything. What do I do? And, I, y'all, I remember thinking, I shouldn't be here. No person should be allowed in this room <laughs> with this money. And I, I'm thinking, I've got a gun on my side. 
I've got keys to an armored getaway vehicle, and I'm in a building with millions of dollars of cash. Like, why would they allow anybody access to a place like this? I just felt like I, I don't belong here. And this guy comes walking up to me, and he's, he's one of the security guards for the building. He's got a uh, styrofoam cup of coffee. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you, you new around here? Yeah. Sets his coffee down on one of the pallets with the cash on it. He leans back against it. He starts talking to me just, I mean, like, like it was no big deal. <laughs> we had some good conversation. But I, I told him, I was like, man, I, I just don't feel like I belong. Like, I shouldn't be here. Like, we should not be here. Why do they let us carry guns in a place like this? Like, my mind was just blown. He's like, ah, you'll get used to it. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe, but I never did, never did. I always felt like, I don't know, like I, I don't belong here. I shouldn't have authorization to be in a place. Like, have you ever felt like you were in a place where you shouldn't be, like you, you didn't belong there, like maybe you didn't have the status or, or the, uh, the, the qualifications to be, so, and I'm not just talking about a building now, I'm, just, I'm talking about wherever you happen to be in life. We question authority. We question our authorization. Should I be allowed in this place? Should that person, that guy over there, he, he looks kind of sketchy. I don't know why he's in here. Like, should he be authorized? Should he have the authority to be here? I think it's human nature to question authority, even whenever it comes to ourselves. I remember uh, the day Emily and I, we, we left the hospital from having our first son. And I remember we're, we're carrying him out. He's in the, the, uh, the baby carrier. And we get, the nurse, you know, takes us out to our vehicle. And, you know, she makes sure he's strapped in the vehicle okay. And, and they're like, well, you know, have a good day. And I'm like, we, we're just leaving with the baby? Like, do you don't have to check anything? Like, you don't need to see my ID? Or, or what, like, you're just giving us this baby? Like, just, they're, they're, they're and probably at that time, they're like, you need to leave. Like, get, get I'm like, I don't know. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to do this. I shouldn't have the authority to, to do this. And maybe as a parent, you've kind of felt that before too. Like, I, I shouldn't even be telling this to my children because I don't feel like I've been a good enough parent. I don't feel like I have the qualifications. We constantly question authority. Let me ask you this. Have you ever questioned God's authority? Have you ever questioned God's authority? Mark chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Of course they did. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Wow. Have you ever been desperate? for God to do something in your life. I'm talking about desperate. These people, they, they had a, a friend that was paralyzed, couldn't walk. He, he lied around all day because he couldn't get around. And, and, and so his friends, thank God, had enough faith to say, hey, if we can just get him to Jesus, he can be healed. The problem is Jesus is in a small house. The house is packed out with people that have come to hear him preach. They've heard about the miracles too. And so these people... I mean, have you ever really thought about this story? They cut a hole in someone's roof and lowered him down. Just imagine someone just coming down from the roof right now. Every, all eyes would be on that person. Like, what in the world? And I, I don't know the situation, but I imagine they must have been in a moment of dire desperation. They needed Jesus to touch their friend. 
I don't know if he was near death or what, but you would imagine they would just wait outside the house for Jesus to finish teaching, everyone to kind of disperse, and then they could kind of, oh, hey, Jesus, I know you've been busy. I know you just preached and all this kind of stuff, but we've got a friend. You would think they would give him the courtesy of, of not interrupting his sermon as he's teaching in this house, but they don't. They climb on top of a random person's house cut a hole in the roof and lower him down and just like, hey, Jesus, I know you're busy, but we got a problem. And I can imagine the friends, they're, they're on the roof and they're looking down at their friend who is now on the floor in front of Jesus, and they've got such eager expectation. I know they had expectation. Otherwise, they would not have climbed on the roof and cut a hole and brought their friend to Jesus. They knew that Jesus was going to heal their friend. They had an expectation. And I can imagine as they're looking down and they see Jesus, and I can imagine Jesus gets down on one knee. I can't right now, but I imagine he did. He gets down on one knee, and he says, my child. And I can imagine the friends on the roof, they're like, oh, oh, hang on, hang on. This is it, this is it. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I can imagine the friends are like, What did, he, what did he say? His, his sins are... What? I don't know, man. This Jesus guy, he may be a little bit slow. We brought a man that's paralyzed. We're expecting him to be healed. Jesus, what do you mean he's forgiven? What, what are you talking about? He's forgiven. Jesus, this man can't walk. He's got two legs that he can't use. Why, what do you mean he's just forgiven? That, that, that's it? That's all you got? I, I could imagine that, what, is anybody in here honest that you would think, hey, that would probably be my response too? Like, are you serious? That's it? That's all? Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus is done. But, verse 6, some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, look at the person you sit beside and say, they thought. What is he saying? This is what they're saying to themselves. What is he saying? This, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? This is what Jesus is saying to them. Come on, man. Come on, man. Why, why do you question this in your hearts? Look at someone say, in your heart. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the... Come on, some of y'all falling asleep. I'm sorry, I'm not that entertaining for you. So, so that I, I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority. He has the authority. The authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat. And go home. Now, he may have done this because of his friend's faith. We know that the man's sins were forgiven because of his friend's faith, right? But to me, whenever we're looking at this, it looks like the main reason Jesus healed this man was just to prove to the religious leaders that he had the authority to forgive sins. I think we look at this portion of Scripture, and, and the thing that sticks out the most to us is that Jesus healed a paralyzed man. But that's not even the headline of the story. The headline of the story is God can forgive sins, and Jesus proved to them that he was God in the flesh. I will prove to you that I have the authority. It says the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat, and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. 
Wow. Here's my point number one. I know he has authority. I know he has authority. I've read this portion of Scripture many times, and I, I used to think, you know, Jesus, you, it seems like you kind of gave this guy the short end of the straw, right? Like whenever he was lower down, you know, my child, your sins are forgiven. It seems like maybe you didn't do the best you could have done, Jesus. Like, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Whenever I used to read across this, you know, like, come on, that, that's the best you can do. And I think uh, if we're being honest as human beings, if we're being honest, we all kind of have that same feeling in our hearts. Like, God, really, you, that, that's the best you could do. This man has two legs that he can't even walk on. You gave him two legs that don't even work, and you're just going to tell him that his sins are forgiven? But let me turn the script a little bit. Would it be to that man's advantage if Jesus simply healed his legs or healed his body so that he could walk but not forgive his sins? I heard a uh, theologian or read a, a commentator and he said, if God healed the man, if he healed his legs to where he could walk but didn't forgive his sins, that man would just be walking straight into hell. What good would having two perfectly good legs be to you if all they did was just take you straight to hell? But Jesus loves so much and he's so compassionate, and he's so thoughtful, and he's so kind that he gave the greater blessing first. My child, your sins are forgiven. See, we, we have this, this propensity to, to look at stuff on the outside, to see things for just what they look like on the surface and neglect the truer matter. Listen, church, if we have two good legs but a diseased heart, we're going to be walking straight to a place that we don't need to be. And I love that Jesus, he's so intentional that he gives the greater gift first. And then the religious people are like, wait a second, you can't do that. You can't forgive his sins. Only God, only God can do that. And Jesus said, are you, are you questioning my authority? I'll prove to you that I have this authority. And then he does the, the lesser miracle, still an incredible miracle, but definitely the lesser miracle. And we see a man getting up on his feet and walking through the crowd. It's incredible. Someone say, I know he has authority. Come on, someone say, I know he has authority. Listen, I'm a youth pastor. If you don't respond to me, I'm going to shut down because I'm used to kids acting up, throwing stuff, popping. You know, they'll bring a, they'll, they, I've had kids bring a balloon. They'll blow up a balloon and, you know, do a little ee thing. And I'm like, for real? Like, that's what you decided? You thought that that was going to be a good idea? Anyways, I'm used to a lot of noise, so you got to help me out. You got to help me out, church. It's been a while since I've been up here, too, so I'm a little bit rusty. But I love this. He has authority, and he confronts the religious leaders. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? See, the religious leaders knew that only God can forgive sins. Is that an accurate statement, yes or no? Yes, only God can forgive sins. That is accurate. That's 100% true. They got it. But they missed something. They missed the fact that God in the flesh was standing right in front of them. They had a head knowledge of his authority, but they didn't have a heart knowledge of his authority. Someone say, I know he can. I know he can. Here's just a couple of scriptures. I'm going to read through these very quickly just to show the authority of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 40 through 41. It says, as the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus, and no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God. Listen to this, church. This is good. Many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Jesus cast them out, and as the demons are leaving, they say, You are the Son of God. Ah! Even the demons understand his authority. Wow. Wow. 
But because they knew he was the Messiah, Jesus rebuked them and refused to let them speak. I love that. So much authority. They're out screaming, and Jesus is like, demons, y'all shut up. Y'all got big mouths. Y'all need to be quiet. Get, get on out of here. <laughs> Matthew chapter 21, verse 18 through 19. It says, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. I think they misspelled that. I think it's supposed to say hangry. Have you ever been hangry? You ever been so hungry that you're angry? That's what we call hangry. I, I can imagine Jesus, he's walking along. He's, he's kind of past the point of hungry. I think he's a little bit hangry at this moment. <laughs> and he noticed a fig tree beside the road, and he went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. Some will say authority. John chapter 10, verse 18 this is Jesus speaking. He said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. Someone say authority. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not some, not most, all authority. First Peter chapter 3, verse 22. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Woo! Wow. Listen to this. Jesus has authority over sickness and disease. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. The woman with the issue of blood, the ten lepers, the blind, the mute, the deaf, the man with the withered hand, and many, many others. Jesus has the authority over sickness and disease. He also has the authority over injury. The man in the garden, as as Peter draws out his sword and just starts swinging, he cuts off a man's ear, and the Bible tells Jesus picks up this man's decapitated ear and puts it back on the man's head, heals him. He's got authority over injury. He's got authority over death. His good friend Lazarus, risen from the dead. The Roman officer's daughter, risen from the dead. Jesus is walking along one day, and there's a funeral funeral procession. And a widow woman had lost her son. Her son had died, and and the, the pallbearers are carrying her dead son in the coffin. And Jesus walks up to the coffin, puts his hand on it, And the boy starts knocking, open the door, sits up. He's got authority over death. Oh, man, we got a good God, y'all. He's got authority over evil spirits. He cast out demons from two demonically possessed men in the graveyard in the region of the Gadarenes. The Bible tells us he cast out seven evil spirits from Mary of Magdala. He cast out demons from a young boy. And Jesus, even in the wilderness, says he's tempted by Satan. He defeats him. Someone says he has authority. He has authority over natural elements. Next time I preach, we're going to be talking about Jesus when he calmed the storm. We already read about Jesus cursing the fig tree, and he also turned water into wine. Jesus also has authority over the laws of nature. (laughs) This is good. He walked on water. He walked through walls of a locked house, and he teleported from the side of two disciples in Emmaus and ended up in Jerusalem. He has authority over sickness, disease, injury, evil spirits, natural things, even the laws of nature. He has all authority. All authority. I love being able to look into the Bible and and read these moments of recorded history for our benefit. And I, I believe that there may be someone in here that says, well, yeah, That sounds great. It just seems a little bit too good to be true. Like, I don't know if I can believe every story in the Bible. And I'm actually going to share, we're we're doing a study in the young adults class uh, about the Bible and about uh, defending the faith and um, apologetics. And and I'm actually going to share with you something that we learned last week about the Bible about how accurate it is, how historically accurate it is, how well it's backed up, and it's going to be incredible. So be here for that. It's going to be great. Someone say, I know he has authority. 
we're able to see that through the Bible. And maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you've been taught that God is powerful, that he has authority. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Do y'all not know that one? Y'all don't know that one? Sorry, I was raised in a Baptist church. I'm sorry, y'all. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Yeah, it's a great song. You should learn it. That's great. <laughs> One of those children's church songs. We, we, we hear these things and we learn these things. If you've grown up in church, you've, you've learned these things. And you know in your mind that God has authority. But if we are being honest with ourselves, if you are honest with yourself today, then you would admit that you have questions too. That there's at least something inside of you. There's just this little twinge of, of doubt or uncertainty. Point number two, I believe he has authority. Whenever it comes to God, we don't just need to know that he has authority. We've got to believe he has authority. We've got to believe it in our hearts. What did Jesus say to the religious leaders? He said, why do you question this in your heart. They said only God can forgive sins. They knew that in their mind, but they were questioning Jesus's authority in their heart. They didn't say those words out loud. Jesus perceived what they were saying and asked them the question, why do you question this in your heart? I'll share another portion of scripture with you. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, just a few pages is over. Verse 17, Mark 9, verse 17. says, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Some will say they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I don't know about you, but I am glad I was not there at that moment. Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. If you have ever said the Bible is boring, you have not read Mark chapter 9. This is crazy. Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Wow. So, Father, I cannot imagine. Have mercy on us and help us. If you can. This father brought his son to Jesus to be healed. He knew that Jesus could cast this evil spirit out of his son. He knew it, otherwise, he wouldn't have brought him to Jesus. He knew, he had a head knowledge that Jesus had authority over evil spirits. The problem is whenever he got there, he must have been stopped by the disciples and the disciples probably like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do it for you. No, 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 don't trouble Jesus. We'll, we'll do it for you. We'll, we'll cast him out. Demon, you get out. Demon, I said, you get out. Are you listening? Are you a deaf demon? I said, get out. No telling how long this went on. The boy's father, he's, he's probably crying, eager anticipation that this evil spirit would leave. And, and finally, he's like, guys, I, I guess you can't do it. And they're like, I guess we can't do it. And so I can just imagine the father just grabbing the boy, just, come on, son. They go and get in front of Jesus. Jesus, have mercy. Heal my son if you can. He had a head knowledge of Jesus' authority, but there's still that little bit of 
I don't know in his heart. That little bit of uncertainty in his heart. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. I'm sorry, let's back up a little bit. Verse 23. Jesus confronts the man, what do you mean, if I can? (laughs) What do you mean? The The man says, help my son if you can. Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? I got the authority, buddy. I can make it happen. Anything, notice what he says, anything is possible if a person believes. In other words, the question isn't, do I have the authority? The question is, do you believe I have the authority? You know that I have the authority or you wouldn't have brought him here, but do you believe in your heart that I have the authority? Y'all, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. The father instantly cries out. This is verse 24. The father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Hang on, hang on, buddy. What did you say? You do believe, but you don't believe. Which one is it? Like, help, help me out here. You do believe, but, but help me overcome my unbelief. What, which one is it? Listen, I think that this father is the most relatable person in the Bible, at least to me. (laughs) Like, God, I know you can, but help me because I'm struggling with whether you can or not. If I can be honest with you, I broke my back six weeks ago, six weeks ago yesterday, and I prayed and I had an expectation on day one that God would heal me, supernaturally heal me. Day two was worse, more pain. Day three was even worse than that. Day four, I couldn't get up out of bed by myself. I, we had to call my brother-in-law to come help me get out of bed. I still can't even put on my shoes by myself. <laughs> Emily has to put on my shoes for me. We're six weeks into it. Guess what? I still believe. I still believe. But I would be lying to you. If I said there's not something in my heart that's like, well, why hasn't he done it yet? I, I asked him to. I believe in him. We started out January, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Day eight, I broke my back. And I, God, I believe in you. I've been spending so much time in your presence. I've been spending so much time with you. I, I believe, I know that you can heal me. But if I'm being honest and I'm looking introspectively for myself, that I have to admit there's a part of me that's like, why, why haven't you done it yet? I don't understand that part. That, that part eludes me. I, I don't, God, help my unbelief. I know you have authority, but for some reason I'm struggling to know that you have authority. <laughs> I don't know if the, y'all may be like, what is this guy even talking about? I <laughs> but I get the Father right here. I do believe, but Help me overcome my unbelief. I think there are times in our life where we ask God for something. And we even come with an expectation. And whenever he doesn't answer the way that we think he should, we get discouraged. And we start to, the more it happens, the more you're like, I I don't know, maybe he doesn't have the authority. Maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, maybe he, he wants, maybe he wants to, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We need to be honest like this man and say, God, help my unbelief. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know why I've still got pain. I don't, because I believe that he can heal me. January 8th, I broke my back. On January 9th, I'm sitting in my bed, laying in my bed. And I'm like, God, we started off this 21 days of prayer. And I was so excited to be with my church family and in corporate prayer and worship and, and fasting. And so excited to be here. And I, I couldn't get up out of bed to, to come here. And I remember laying in my bed there, saying, God, I know you'll believe. I know 
you will heal me. I believe you will heal me. But if I'm not healed today, then the enemy's got it coming for him. Because he doesn't know this. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I'm in a bed and I can't do nothing right now. I've got all day long to pray. I've got all day long to read the word. I've got all day long to put my AirPods in and, and, and put on some music and, and worship the Lord right here in this bed. Y'all, I can't tell you how many hours since this. I, I have almost read through the entire Bible <laughs> in these last six weeks. I'm in uh, the book of Luke right now. Read from Genesis. I'm in the book of Luke. I'll be finished here in less, about a week. Be done with the reading through the entire Bible. I'm not saying that to boast or, or brag or what I'm saying is this. I don't know why God hasn't healed me because I believe he would, but I do know that he is good. And I do know that right now while I'm in this situation, I can take advantage and I can push back the gates of hell. I might not be able to tie my own shoes, but I can push back the gates of hell with my prayer, with my praise. So I don't know why. I know that he can heal, and I don't know why he hasn't yet, but I do know that he's good. And in the meantime, I'm saying, God, help my unbelief, but I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. Someone say amen. Amen. I think a lot of times the reason we struggle with understanding his authority is because we, in our lives we build up these boxes that we think God should fit in. We, we sing a song, and I love this song. It's a great song. I will make room for you. And we, we think, you know, God, I'll make room for you in my heart. But I, I think maybe we could reword, just, reword that just a moment and say, God, I will give you my heart and make room for other things. <laughs> because the truth is, our hearts should be so given to God. We, we shouldn't put him in a box. But a lot of times... We'll say, God, I, I like the part where you said that you will bless my finances, but it's hard to give 10%. It's hard to give when it, whenever you tell me to, to give that gift to sow a seed in someone's life when I know that I'm struggling with things. I, I don't like that part. Or we may say, you know, God, I'll, I'll give you my family. I like that part where you say you will bless my family, but I don't know about this part where you're calling my family to step out in faith and do what's uncomfortable. I don't know about that part. And, and we try to put God in a box. Listen, God won't be boxed. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, man. He's not going to be put in a box. The thing is, we're just going to have to open our hearts to him, kick our boxes out of the way, just open your heart and say, God, come on. This is yours. Not only do I know you have authority, but I believe in my heart that you have. I'm going to open up my heart to all that you have for my life. Someone say you have to submit. You have to submit. It's not good enough just to know that he has authority. We have to believe. We have to submit to his authority. Most of us place limits on God, and then we question his authority whenever he doesn't step outside of that box that we made and do what we thought he should do. <laughs> but we were the ones that put him in the box. And now we're expecting him to do something outside of the box. I want to encourage you, church. I, I've, I'm sorry it's stepping on your toes. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But listen, we've got to come to the place where we're like, God, I, I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm, I'm going to give my heart to you. I'm going to submit to your authority. I believe. I believe. And that right there is what's called faith. Because you might not know where God's going to take you or what he's going to do, but you know he's good. And you trust in his authority now. That's called faith. I'm going to step out in faith. God, I know that you can, so I'm just going to step out and do it. And even if you don't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and even if he doesn't, we're still going to praise him. Come on, church. Come on. I know he has authority, and I believe he has authority. So this is the last thing if the praise and worship team would come. I 
accept his authority. I accept his authority. I want to encourage you with this. If you're struggling with any any area of your life where there's just a little bit of doubt, I want to encourage you with this. Even the demons understand and submit to his authority. (laughs) They know who he is. There's another story. I'm actually going to read this really quick for you because this is just, it's just that good. It's in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. And whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills. Y'all, this sounds like a Hollywood horror movie. He wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. The demon-possessed man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. And with a streak, this demonic spirit screamed and said, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Notice how even the demons address him. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? God, the one with all authority. And then notice the demon invokes the name of God. He says, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. This is a demon talking to Jesus. I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus starts talking. He starts talking to this evil spirit. He demanded, what is your name? The evil spirit replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. Does this sound like a spirit that has authority? Come on, does this sound like a spirit that has authority? He's he's talking to Jesus, calling him the son of the most high God. I beg you, don't torture me. I beg you, please, 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 please don't send us to a faraway place. Please, please, please. They begged him again and again and again. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Verse 12, send us into those pigs. The spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them, gave them permission He gave these evil spirits permission to leave. Who has the authority? Even the evil spirits know it. They're trembling. Listen, this is a man that no one could chain up, that no one could bind, that no one could subdue. Parents would tell their children, children, don't go around that graveyard. There's a crazy man that lives there. And I guess in a sleep or something, maybe someone would come and, and put him in chains, but he would just snap the chains like a piece of paper, ripping a piece of paper, smash the shackles. You go around the graveyard howling. He must have been pretty strong, pretty strong dude. But when Jesus comes, even from a far way away, as Jesus was coming in the distance, The man ran to him and fell down at his feet. Someone say, he's got authority. He's got authority. (laughs) Church, if we could just grasp that thought. Even the demons understand and submit to his authority. Even sickness and disease understands and submits to his authority. Even nature, animals, birds, trees, everything understands and submits to his authority. Even death understands and submits to his authority. And I love what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. This is what Paul says. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms 
Now he is far above any ruler. He is far above any authority. He is far above any power. He is far above any leader. He is far above anything else, not only in this world, but also in the one to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Look at that last bit right there. For the benefit of the church. Oh, that's good. Come on, we're talking about a God that has all authority. And it would be good for us to say, okay, I'll come under that. If I could bend down real low, I would. I'll, I'll come under that, God. I will submit to that. I will recognize that authority. I want to show you something. I don't know if you've ever driven down the road and seen one of these before. How many of you love to see these on the road? Every time I drive, I think I got a little bit of road rage. I'm not sure. People, listen, people don't know how to drive. I'm, I think I'm the only person that knows how to drive. If people are going too slow and I'm behind them, they need to speed up. If people come flying around me, they're just crazy. Right? I'm the only one, the only one that knows how to drive. And you come up to a portion of the highway, you see these cones spread out. And you see the person with the stop sign, they always put it in the middle of these things, stick it up, turn it around, it says what? Slow. That's a terrible word. The other one's worse. Stop. Man standing there holding that sign. You always pull up, and if you're the first one, it's so awkward. You're like, do I look at him? Do I look away? I don't want to feel like I'm staring, but if I miss the sign whenever he flips, I'm really going to feel like an idiot. And you don't really know. It's just kind of awkward. So you stand there in your car. Why? Why do you stop? Because there's another authority that said stop. Why do we find it so easy to submit to that authority, but it's difficult for us to give our hearts to God's authority. He has so much more authority. Listen, the next time you see some orange cones, I want you to think of this right here. We see those and we recognize that there is an authority greater than us in our automobile that is saying you need to stop. Let me ask you this. If you're driving an F-150, cruising down the road, and you see those orange cones, do those orange cones make you stop? You could drive right on through them. You could send what's-his-face to heaven, just go right on through them. I have never seen that happen. Now, these cones, they, they can't make... Me stop. I've got a broken back, but I can probably kick one over. That cone has no power over me, but there is an authority that I can't see, but I recognize it, and I decide to slow down and stop. Someone say, that's authority. We need to, as believers... We need to be able to, to see the, the signs and the, the, the construction moments in our life. And I'm considering this a construction moment in my life and say, God, I'm, I'm going to come under your authority. I recognize that you have authority over this situation. And I don't know why you block off the roads. Most of the time they block off the roads and you, you drive down, you know, they, they, they have people that, you know, one lane can come at a time. You got to wait for them and then you can go and 
Most of the time, there's nothing happening in the other lane. It's blocked off for no reason. I think they do it for training. I don't know. I never have been able to understand. Maybe Jody can help us out. She's all eyes are on you, Jody. Why do they do that? We don't know. She works for TechStot. But if we, as believers, would just learn to submit to that authority, to come under his authority, listen, he has all authority, and it's for your benefit. So this is what I want to encourage you to do today. If you would stand up to your feet, if you're able. I want you to ask the Lord this morning, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through your word today? Just just for a moment, if you would just close your eyes. Just for a moment, just pretend it's just you and Jesus in this room. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through your word today? And I'm a believer that there are some in this room that can relate to the Father and say, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me overcome the areas that I've been holding back, the areas that I can't understand, the areas where I'm hesitant. I believe, but Help me in my unbelief. Help me submit to your authority to come underneath your authority and just say, God, you can have my heart. You can have my family. You can have my bank account. You can have my health. You can have every area of my life because I know you hold all authority. I can't do it on my own with my own two hands, but I know that you can help me to submit those areas that that I'm struggling in. Let that be your prayer this morning as we worship. And I want to encourage you as you pray this prayer to listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about at least one area in your life where you've struggled to believe. And in that area, I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning to make a commitment to God. Just say, Jesus, In this area in my life, I am choosing, although I don't understand, I'm choosing to come under your authority.